Hi, my name is Bri Antonia and you are listening to the Woman and the Word podcast. For those of you who don't know, the Woman and the Word is an online community and a sisterhood and our aim is to bridge the gap between reading the Bible and actually applying it to our lives and living by it. If you haven't already, then please go ahead and listen to our first episode, The Good News, which we released two weeks ago for Easter 2020. It's available on Spotify, iTunes and all major podcast streaming platforms. So this is episode two of the Woman in the Word podcast and it is called The Hallway, A Christian Response to COVID-19. I really pray that it blesses you guys and I hope that you enjoy it. Take care. Bye. When I tell you guys that I have tried so many times to sit down and record this podcast episode, so and there have been so many distractions, but the God I serve, my God. Okay, we're here. Thank him. So the title of this episode is called The Hallway, a Christian response to the COVID-19 pandemic. So why the hallway? So the title The Hallway is based on a quote that I saw years ago that I absolutely love. And it says... Until God opens the door, praise him in the hallway. So until God takes you to the place you've been praying for, to the other side of your current battles, your breakthrough, your promotion, praise him right where you are. So until God gives you that job, praise him in your unemployment. Until God gives you your spouse, praise him in your singleness. Until God blesses you with the big bucks, praise him with your pretty pennies. And until God wins the battle for you, praise him right there in the battlefield. Why is this relevant to now? I'm sure you guys are all sick and tired. I'm sure you're sick of hearing the terms like I am. But coronavirus, COVID-19, it's got us stuck in a hallway if I've ever seen one. It's been over a month now, five weeks for me to be exact, of being on a lockdown and working from home. And words and terms like quarantine, self-isolating, social distancing, they have entered and taken over our everyday lives and conversations. I don't even know what we spoke about before. And I'll be honest with you, I was good at, like, she was thriving. She was great. I was happy at first. I loved being at home. Working from home was an amazing compromise for me. I really welcomed the break. My commute is stressful. But... The novelty for many of us has definitely started to wear off and it's waned into difficulty now. We've gone from being a society obsessed with making plans, being in control, having crazy schedules and jam-packed social lives to now being kept indoors, restricted on human interaction, like basic human interaction. And we have absolutely no idea what the next month looks like, let alone the rest of the year. And I don't think any of us have had to deal with this uncertainty like none of us have had to deal with this before every generation that I've spoken to my grandparents other elders my parents cousins none of us have gone through this it's new for all of us as I said before we are in a hallway this is a really strange waiting period and we're wondering when we're going to get to the other side but the thing about the hallway is that it's not about the hallway (laughs) it's about your attitude in the hallway it's about your response in the hallway You can't control when God opens that door, but you can control how you behave while you wait for the door to be opened. And so far, there have been some extremely interesting responses to COVID-19 and some people are dread. There have been responses like our government, which is no response, but there have also been like the complete opposite, right? 
I know you guys have seen the showdowns. The showdowns that have taken place in our blessed supermarket aisles. People have been bulk buying pasta and hand sanitizer. And if it's not that, then, you know, boss man around the corner is trying to resell paracetamol for £10. Which, by the way, you can actually report them. Like, anyway, you can report them if they do that. But it's just been crazy. Like, people have been acting out. There's so much hysteria and fake news and fear-mongering. People are just going wild. The response has been... It's been really sad to see people act like that. And I don't know if I'm just speaking for myself here, but once I saw the way people were carrying on, I quickly decided that I didn't want my reaction to look like the world's reaction. I didn't want my behaviour to look like that. I wanted to have a Christian response to coronavirus and this whole pandemic. I believe Christians are set apart spiritually and I believe that that should be shown in our actions too. So as a Christian, I just knew and was convicted that I had to move different. And I want to encourage believers and just anyone listening to this podcast to do the same. So here they are. These are my top five Christian coping mechanisms as a response to COVID-19. Christian coping mechanism number one, guard your heart, guard your heart. I am going to read you Proverbs 4.23 that says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And the King James Version says, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life, issues of, that's deep. Anyway, what do I mean by guard your heart? carefully and consciously manage what it is you're being exposed to in this season listen it's not everything that you're sent that you need to entertain or even watch can we talk about whatsapp okay let me tell you about whatsapp and and social media in general social media has given people too much accessibility to us it's just made everyone too accessible and i think people forget that we actually have the right to say stop or no you know i I had to tell my friends, I do not want to be sent anything else from you that is COVID-19 related. And listen, I had to even draw out a few people in the group chat, lovingly, of course. But I had to draw them out about the validity of what they were sending and sharing because people didn't even have the common sense to fact check. People didn't even go on the internets and look at whether what they were sharing was true. There's been so much fake news and false information and fear-mongering going on. And it seems that many of my contacts lacked the empathy of thinking about how I would feel and I don't know that might come across quite self-centered but the reason I now think like this is because I felt like I did this to my friend and I felt so so bad I sent my friend a video of I believe it was the Congolese president I don't know who he was but it was someone from Congo and they were basically confirming that the French would test the vaccine over there we were talking about it anyway. So as soon as I went onto Twitter and I saw the video, my first instinct was to go back and I was like, oh my gosh, no, it's actually happening. Like, look at this. And I sent it to her and she said to me, I felt so bad. She said to me, she wishes she had never seen the video because now she's just here, angry, hurt and powerless. And I just felt so bad because as her friend, I know what she's going through, COVID-19 related and just otherwise. But I know what she's going through. I know that she's probably going to think about her family back home now. She's going to think about her friends back home. There's so much that comes with her watching that video. It's not just 
oh, hey, something, you know, is happening in Africa that's really bad. And, you know, why is it happening to us? There's so much baggage that is coming along with that. And I just sent it to her and I didn't even consider how she would react to it. So after that, I said, no, we have to be a bit more responsible, particularly with our friends, about what we're sending and how they'll react and feel about it. It's not a case of staying ignorant. Sometimes you need to know hard and difficult truths, but we should always consider how people will feel receiving our messages. And we should hope that in return, people will also consider how we feel before they send us theirs. I definitely recommend taking time away from the news and TV if it stops serving you. And by serving you, I mean informing you, educating you, progressing you in some way. Just causing you fear and anxiety is not informing or progressing you if it's not linked to some sort of lesson that you can now apply. If you're walking away from news that has just scared you, for me, I think you then have to think about the point of reading it. Like if you're not going to walk away with knowledge or, you know, feeling informed or progressing in some manner, maybe you should consider whether you need to read that article. It's really okay to take breaks and take in the news in small doses. It's absolutely fine. Ultimately, only you know your emotional capacity and what your heart can handle. And I've always said, this is the one heart I've got for the rest of my life. I've got to look after her. My Christian coping mechanism number two is not to worry. And I know, I know it's easier said than done. I get it. But I want you to look at what scripture says. Okay, so Philippians 4 verse 6 to 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Before we can even try to understand what this verse is telling us to do, we have to understand the origin of worry. We often worry because we don't know or we don't have control over things, right? So we worry because you don't know what's going to happen next and you worry because you don't know what the outcome of something is going to be. But that's the exact reason why we shouldn't worry. For me, this scripture is instructing us not to worry and instead to go to God because that's all our options should be. I feel like our our natural human inclination and like our natural instinct is to think, okay, when my options run out, worry sets in. Like that's our system reflex, right? But I personally think now when options run out, that's when God wants to step in. When he has removed all possible control from you, it's because this next part, this next chapter, this next step is beyond your capabilities. It's for him to handle. It's more than you. It's above you now. (laughs) It's above you now. Think about it. Your logic and your sense is God-given. So if you are now in a situation where your logic and your sense can no longer take you forward, it's not a step that you need to handle. It's God now. And my example would be the Women Connect event. So we did our International Women's Day event on March the 4th and it was cancelled two hours before it was supposed to start. It was supposed to start at six o'clock, four o'clock we've been told that it has to be cancelled. People had already made their way. We were told it was it was cancelled. So when my friend broke the news to me, I was calm and I was calm about it because I started to think about things logically and I started to look at my logical options, right? And this is my God-given sense, my logic. So I'm thinking about, okay, well, mm, could we do this? Could we do that? As soon as those logical options were exhausted, 
I knew that this was beyond me and this was now something only God could handle and I left it to him. I literally presented my request to him. I sat back in my peace and I let it flow. I let it happen. I said, it's above me now. I have done all I can do in my human capacity. If God has removed even those options from me, it's because it's only something he can handle. Father God, it's yours. I love Matthew 6, 27, because it literally illustrates how useless it is to worry. It reads, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? For me, worrying in a powerless situation is like giving more oxygen and fuel to fire. You are only exacerbating the problem. I like to also think of it like this. Worrying can come. We're human and we go through a lot of human experiences that warrant worry. But worry does not have to stay. It can come, but it does not have to stay. And that is down to you. You are in control of your emotions, not the other way around. And more importantly... God is in control of everything. Trust that. When your logical options have been taken from you, see that as an invite for God to step in and do what he does best. My third Christian coping mechanism is to plug into prayer. Now, let's be real. Prayer really should have been number one um, because prayer is every Christian staple it's our bread and our butter really but I was really mindful about putting prayer first because prayer being offered as a solution in problem solving it has a big stigma attached to it it does and very very serious very real issues have been dismissed in the name of oh just pray about it or you know just pray through it you'll be fine and that maybe because I've experienced it and I admittedly have definitely done it before that is an unfair and an inaccurate image of how powerful and how significant prayer is prayer is not something that we only run to in times of need and that brings me on to my scripture for this mechanism which is Ephesians 6 verse 18 and it reads Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. I love the New Living Translation because it says stay alert and be persistent. So firstly, the first thing about prayer. Let's look at the first few words of verse 18, Ephesians 6. It says pray in the spirit on all occasions. Prayer is not only for the valley, it's also for the mountaintop. It's not only for times of persecution, it's for times of promotion too. And I think sometimes when we offer prayer as a as a solution to a problem, that's the only time we're introducing prayer to people when that is not the only time prayer should be used. Prayer should be used full stop. Good time, bad time, nervous time, excited time, like regardless, prayer should be used. And so I think it's important for us to introduce prayer as just something to do regardless like something to do anyway we are called to pray in the spirit on all occasions whether it's good times whether it's bad times we are meant to pray and remember prayer is simply communication and conversation with God it's supposed to be effortless it's continual and that brings me on to 1 Thessalonians five seventeen, which says pray without ceasing and I like to add Pray without ceasing, no matter the season. So no matter what you're going through, just keep on praying. Just keep talking to God. So the second thing about prayer is who and what you pray for. 
Yes, pray for you and yours, but also pray for others. Pray for those you don't know. Pray for those you will never know and never meet. Like just stand in the gap for everyone and don't pray small prayers. There was one time I was praying at night and I didn't know if it was just me being in the spirit or me just being tired, but I was in this like weird state of consciousness, right? And I'm kind of listing off my family members and whoever I'm, I'm praying for. All of a sudden I say, and I want to pray for Europe. And when I tell you, the shock just woke me up and brought me back to full consciousness. And I was like, mm, oh no. I said, oh no, Lord, sorry, I'm sorry. I wasn't supposed to say that. But then the Holy Spirit convicted me and said, but, but why? Why not? Do you know the mess you man are in? Like you need to pray for Europe. Like <laughs> you, you need to pray. And it was only after that that I said, that's so true. Why wouldn't I pray for Europe? What does that say about the image of God that I have in my heart if I think praying for Europe is either too big a prayer or not possible, too unrealistic a prayer? You know, like my God is able, my God is big enough. He's able to do it. So my third thing about prayer is just making sure and I guess encouraging people to be comfortable praying how you feel and what you desire whilst still proclaiming God's will to be done. It is possible. And I always go back to Matthew 26 verse 39, which reads, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And I just love that. This is such a beautiful moment and quite a sublime moment in the story of Jesus's life because It's just a moment of complete vulnerability. Jesus gave us the perfect template about how to be honest with God, with our feelings and what we're going through and what we desire while still humbling ourselves to his will and allowing his will to be the ultimate and final say. Lord, take this cut from me. It's a lot. I'm struggling, but your will, not as I will, your will. I think that's exactly how we can approach God's throne as well. So use this time to do a prayer check-in. Am I praying continually and on all occasions? Am I praying for myself and for others? Am I praying for my will? Am I praying for God's will? If any of these answers are no, just give it a try and watch how God begins to work through your prayer life. So the fourth coping mechanism that I want to share with you is to determine God's will for you in this season. Now that is a cumbersome cumbersome task, I know, I get it, but bear with me. We're going to look at scripture. So Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So the, the reason we're even having this conversation, the reason why I wanted to share Christian responses and scripture based tips is because I believe in the saying, we're in the world, not of the world. So I always try to have my Christian view of things, which led me to this verse. But then when I read the verse, I noticed the second sentence. By being renewed and set apart, this verse tells us that we therefore have the tools to be able to determine God's will for us. Now look at the New Living Translation of Romans 12 verse 2. It says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will be able to learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. 
for you. Not everyone, not just God's will, God's will for you. Yes, God has a huge, bigger picture that we don't know about. But in that big and huge picture is a will and a plan specifically for each and every one of us. And that big picture, that huge will is made up of tiny little lives that God has created and planned out. And I want to read Jeremiah 29 11 for you. So it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God knows the plans he has for each and every one of us. So if that's the case, what is it that he wants you to do in this quarantine season? Does he want you to be still and just sit down? Maybe get away from the noise and whatever drama you may have been surrounded by and maybe just be with yourself and your thoughts and him? Or does he want you to work on all the projects he's placed in your heart but you haven't been obedient to to carrying out? Because let me tell you, that was my portion. That was me. But either way, God is a purposeful God and we need to remember he has allotted time for every season. Ecclesiastes 3. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. And just to name a few off the top of my head, there's a time to heal, a time to die. There's a time to dance and a time to mourn. There's a time to sow and a time to reap. So with this in mind, we should be asking God to tell us, Lord, what season is this in my life? Is this a season to grow? If so, what skills can I develop? Is it a time to heal? If so, what wounds can I finally address and recover from? Listen, God put it on my heart. There are thoughts and traumas that we haven't even had time to acknowledge, but now we do. In 2016, I went on my year abroad to California. I didn't know anyone on the West Coast. It was just me. And a few months into my time there, I finally started to process my nan's death. My nan had died in 2006. A whole decade later, and it was only then that I started to actually grieve and mourn her. But it makes complete sense because I was finally given the room and the space and the peace and quiet to be with my trauma, be with my hurt and actually deal with it. So is this what God wants for you in this quarantine season? Is this a time to be silent and a time for peace? Is this a time to mend? Maybe spend time with loved ones who you normally argue with. Either way, try to recognise what God wants you to do in this time and act accordingly. And trust me, If he has purposed this season in you, then he's already given you the tools and the resources and the grace to do it. Trust him. Okay, so we finally made it. I'm so sorry. Listen, I can chat and if no one stops me, then I'll just keep going. So number five, our fifth Christian coping mechanism, one of my top five tips for Christians to respond to COVID-19 is the final and most important point it's to spend more time with God Matthew 6 verse 33 says but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well so what are these things that Jesus is talking about these things are his peace his strength the ability to get through adversity the skills to overcome whatever challenges you're facing these are the things that you will find in God's presence when you seek him. This is the fruit that will come from spending time with God. The one thing I have loved about this time at home has been the freedom to tailor my time with God any way I want to. Do I want to start my day with a Bible study? I can. Do I want to watch a sermon over lunch on the couch? 
Now I can. Do I want to spend the day in bed, laptop out, worship music in the background? Now I can. And I also want us to remember James 4 verse 8, which says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Just spend time with the Lord and allow him to speak to you and let you know what this time is for. He will meet you where you're at. If you invite him into your space, he will meet you right there where you are. And that's the most amazing thing about God. He is with you in the hallway. He will meet you in your hallway. Invite him there. Let him be your strength. Let him be your hope. And let him be your foundation in this season. So in conclusion, we made it, but we made it. I want to quickly read for you Philippians 4 verse 12 to 13, which says, I know what it is to be in need and what it is to have more than enough. I have learned this secret so that anywhere at any time I am content. Whether I am full or hungry, whether I have too much or too little, I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. And I absolutely adore these two verses because this is showing us that we are not supposed to go here, there and everywhere with the wind whenever life just decides to throw something at us. No, we're supposed to be that tree planted by still waters. We're supposed to be steadfast, sturdy, able to face anything, any pandemic, any hallway. And guess what? We can. We can because we have the power of Christ. We can because we have Christ. When I preached the hallway to my church, um, at the end of the message, I asked them all to stand up and repeat something after me. I gave them this little saying that they could whisper to themselves just whenever they felt overwhelmed by the weight of waiting and the pressure of the hallway. And I even say it to myself sometimes, and I really hope that it can edify and encourage and help you. So it says, my hallway is a location. It is not my destination I am simply passing through my hallway is a location it is not my destination I am simply passing through take care guys and stay safe during this pandemic god bless bye